Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. And we're in the middle of a series on the Beatitudes, which if you're unfamiliar with the Scripture, was, uh, it's, a, it's a message that Jesus preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's his most famous sermon. He stands on the side of a hill. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 5 onwards. And he starts with this list of blessings. We call them the Beatitudes, which comes from the Latin word beatus, which means list of blessings or, or bliss, how to live the blissful life. The, 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 we've talked this week about how great it's been teaching through the Beatitudes. One of the challenges is though, Jesus actually preaches that as his sermon. Now we're pulling it apart line by line, which is really great to do. But sometimes in doing that, we miss the holistic sense of what Jesus is trying to achieve, which is he's preaching to a crowd of people that have been attracted to his life and ministry. uh, Those that felt marginalised from society, those that were outcasts, those that everyone else had rejected, those that were devalued in the eyes of culture but they were attracted to Jesus. And so when Jesus speaks his list of blessings, which really turn the whole concept of what blessing looks like on its head, part of what he's trying to achieve is make everybody there just feel like, if you felt like you couldn't be part of what God's doing, I want you to feel part of what God's doing. Because you don't need to be a person of influence or fame or celebrity or power. You don't need to have a big wallet. You don't need to have an influential job. Actually, There's a whole bunch of people that society has overlooked and forgotten about and felt like they've got nothing to offer. Guess what? They're the blessed ones. They're the ones that are going to inherit the kingdom. They're the ones that are going to inherit the earth. They're the ones that are actually going to be comforted when they mourn. Like it's good news is what Jesus wants to say. And so there is a challenge when we break it down line by line. But today I get to speak on one of the Beatitudes that I think gives us a great sense of what the upside down kingdom really looks like. When Jesus takes something that we've defined one way and turns it on its head. And I'm going to talk this morning from Matthew 5 verse 5 where Jesus says this, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. I was out in prayer before the service and Jess, one of your awesome kids leaders said, meek, we are We don't talk about that a lot. I don't know, meek's not a word that we use that often, is it? I heard it recently because someone used it to describe me. So blessed am I. But it wasn't in a positive way. It was one of my friends who thinks they're quite funny. And I'm part of a life group, a very eclectic life group. And uh, we banter very well together in our life group. And about 12 months ago, a very dear friend of mine, someone who I respect greatly, who used to be my boss... It's a senior pastor at Gateway, a man by the name of Tim Hanna. Does anyone know who Tim Hanna is? Tim is a great man. He was a great boss. He was a great influence on Gateway. He's become a really great friend. But Tim joined my life group. And apparently, I went meek. That's what my friends told me. Oh, when Tim came in, didn't you go quiet? Didn't you start answering all the questions well rather than giving everyone a hard time? So I got called meek, which forced me to go and look it up. Now, Tim knows this, so if he listens to this, no surprise to him because it's become a joke. I, I wasn't the only one that went meek. But, uh, and so we all laugh about it now. But it, it forced me to actually look into what this word is because there's something on the surface when we hear the word meek that we associate it with gentleness or compliance. Maybe some of us think it's a weak word. Maybe some of us think it's just submissive and quiet. When you define meekness as that, it's not really a word that I want to be defined by. 
I was in a university lecture when I first moved to Queensland. I was a country boy, grew up in country New South Wales and headed to Queensland to study IT, which was a great investment because I've never used it since. It's just a big hex debt and there you go. Someone goes, would you ever get back into it? I submitted my last assignment on a floppy disk, right? Some of you don't even know what that is. But I've got no chance of ever using that degree, but I'm still paying the government back for the, you know, blessing of doing it. But while I was doing an IT degree and I was in one of my lectures, I remember it very vividly and I'm sitting there and everyone was being a little bit disruptive that day and there was, uh, the lecturer was down the front and as she's trying to cut through the noise of the lecture, she just let the anger and frustration of that moment get on top of her. She kind of yelled at us all and she said, you know what, you're all friendly here today, but the people that you're sitting with are gonna be your opposition one day. And you don't need to be friendly with them. You need to learn how to trample on them and to crush them and to beat them. Inspiring, inspiring. The IT world is cutthroat, I tell you. But her whole point was, if you really wanna get ahead, this is what she was trying to communicate. She did it really poorly. If you want to get ahead, you've got to learn how to rise above the crowd. You've got to learn to find power and take hold of it. And her narrative was one of power. But the way she defined power was strength and dominance and assertiveness. It's a definition that many people give to the idea of power in our culture. We think of coercive power. In other words, a power that learns to manipulate and to gain compliance through threat of someone that is much greater and stronger. We think of power that is dominant. In other words, crushing anyone that would get in our way. Some people chase absolute power. You know that place where you control everything. You have complete freedom to mediate things the way you want. And so we take this idea of meekness, which for some of us has kind of landed in this idea of compliance and quietness and, you know, a lack of assertiveness and a weakness. And this idea of power, which is about dominance and assertiveness and control. And we think that they stand as polar opposites. They're a good time. <laughs> We're going to do that a little bit later, right? So just <laughs> get ready. We're going to chant some things. Last time I was here, I just like this story. Last time I was here, I preached so short that the kids didn't even get to the Bible story. (laughs) So all your children went home that Sunday, didn't hear about Jesus. They just had fun and it may happen again today. So, but we take these two concepts, the idea of meekness and the idea of power and we see them as polar opposites. I wanna ask the question this morning, is there another way to understand power? Philippians 2, Paul writes to a church in Philippi and he says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Listen to these words. Who in being in the very nature God, that is a statement of power. Who being in the very nature God, what does it mean to be in the very nature God? It means to be the one that controls all things, that has power over all things. So Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That is a picture of power under control. And you know what the biblical definition of meekness is? Power under control. See, Jesus becomes our picture of meekness. There was a song that used to get sung, an old hymn written by Charles Wesley, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. Anyone ever heard it? 
It then goes into a whole bunch of weird and wonderful things that those that lived 300 years ago would have understood, but I don't. But Jesus was the image of meekness. But Jesus gives us an image of meekness that is power under control. Because when he becomes aware of all that he is and all that he holds, he chooses an other-centeredness application to his power. Jesus, aware of the fullness of God that resides in him, that God himself incarnate, actually chooses a journey to the cross, the most horrific of deaths. Why does the Bible tell us he does that? Out of love for you and out of the desire for you to know forgiveness from your sins. And when we understand the cross and the very horror of the cross and the courage that it takes to choose that journey, we understand that meekness is not a weak concept. That meekness is actually an idea of power that is brought under control. I want to suggest this morning that everyone here in this room carries power. We don't often think about it, but it's a good place to start because if we understand the areas of life that we have power, then all of a sudden we understand the areas of life we can submit to Jesus and live with power under control. If you don't think you're a person here that carries any power, by the notion that you live where you live and that you have access to the things that you have access to, you're a person of power. If you've got a roof over your head, if you've got a bank that you can access resource from, if you can put food on your table and get clean water from your tap, already you're placed in one of the top percentiles of people on this planet and by very nature of that, you carry power. Others of you carry power though that's much more identifiable. Some of you carry power in your workplace. You have a role that means you have influence and control and decision-making capabilities over others. Some of you carry power in your family. Some of you carry power in the church. There's a whole bunch of us that in our life carry power. Now, power in itself isn't evil. It's how we mediate it. Because Jesus, being in the very nature God, that is a statement of power, chooses what? To empty himself of everything and take the journey, Philippians says, to the cross. The good news is because of that, God elevated him to the highest place. You know, it's this journey of descent with the realisation of power. So if you're a person of power, which all of us are to some extent, the question then becomes, how will we use our power? I just want to give you three very simple, well-worn roads. They're not new ideas or concepts, but I want us to think about them in the idea of now power under control or meekness. Will you use your power to serve others? Great story, familiar story for many of us told in John's Gospel where Jesus chooses to wash his disciples' feet. Has anyone, uh, and you probably had to have been around the church for a long time, but has anyone been in a church where they did a foot washing ceremony? Man, they're awkward moments. <laughs> like... I will never do that, right, to our congregation. I just want to let you know, I should say never, hey, when you know, the Spirit of God tells you one day to do something, I don't have a choice. But I remember as a teenager walking into our evening service in Dubbo Baptist Church and they had trestle table, they'd moved all the pews, they'd set up trestle tables down the middle and there were seats on them and wash bowls. I mean, I don't like the idea of washing someone's feet. Like, we don't need to model Jesus that like, we, we don't need to be that literal, do we? I don't need to scrub John O. White's feet. I'm sure, I'm, 
He's a good-looking man. He's probably got good-looking feet. He's probably a foot model in another life. We don't know about it. But I have no need to wash anything in that man's feet. And when Jesus did it, it wasn't this, what would have been this offensive or kind of completely out of the blue moment like it would be for us. Because every time you went to someone's house, every time you went to receive the hospitality of another, there would be a servant at the door waiting to wash your feet. Why? Because Jesus lived ancient Palestine with its dusty roads, walking around in sandals. And so if you're going to recline at the table, what was one of the dirtiest parts of your body when you arrived at that person's house? Your feet. And so it would be the job that would be given to the lowest of the low. You know, the servant is just, if, if you knew you're at the bottom of the pile, you're the one that stood at the doorway of the house with the wash thing waiting. And I mean, Jono's feet would have been a blessing to wash on those days. We're talking calloused, hardened, crusty, dirt-filled. Like, they didn't have toenail clippers the way we... Oh, I just don't want to think about it. But it was not a great job. But it was a job they were familiar with. Listen to what the Scripture tells us happened on the day Jesus chooses to wash his disciples' feet. John 13, verses 1. It was just before the Passover festival... Listen to this line. And Jesus knew, oh, not this one, sorry. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Listen to this is the line I want you to hear. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. I've read this verse a hundred times and it's only in the last couple of years I've actually Stop long enough to read that verse. Let me just read that again. Jesus knew. Right, this isn't someone else writing the story. This is someone's observation that Jesus in himself had grasped his position. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. If you want to talk about absolute power, when God in heaven makes you aware that you carry absolute power, all things under his control, the Bible tells us. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So people was aware of his power. People was aware, Jesus was aware of his divinity. Listen to this. So, get it? Fully aware of who he was. Fully aware of what he held. So, he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This is the perfect picture of meekness being power under control. Because Jesus becomes fully aware of who he is, fully aware of the power that he holds, and how does he choose to apply that? By taking the lowest position in the household and washing his disciples' feet. And Jesus in this moment does something profound but also gives a life lesson to those that choose to follow him because he ends up saying to his disciples, as I've washed your feet, go and do that for others. See, will you use your power to serve others? When you become aware of the power that you have, and it's really important that we become aware of the power that we hold, will you choose to use it to serve those around you? Will you choose to use your power to elevate others? 
You see, sometimes we think of power in a really physical sense, but power isn't always through the muscles in our arms, but it's also through the power of our tongue. I grew up in a, uh, as I said, country New South Wales, and the group of friends that I inherited at school were pretty quick-witted. And so to hold my own, I learnt to become pretty quick-witted. And I still today have to control the fact that I'm pretty good at, you know, a pretty quick-witted response to most things that get said to me. I learnt that young. But I also learned with that that your tongue has the power to build people up or tear people down. There's power in being articulate. There's power when you have a voice. How will you use your voice? Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue has the power of life or death. If you wanna know what power you hold in your life, maybe you're not physically strong, maybe you're not positionally strong, but maybe you have a tongue that carries power. So my question is this, will you use it to elevate others? How will you use your power to serve others, to elevate others? What about to bless others? Andrew's already spoken about this morning. We've seen it on the video. We are in our Gateway Beyond season right now. It's a time when we as a church are reminded of who God's called us to be and how we care for the marginalised, the disenfranchised, the needy, those that have never heard the message of Jesus, who we are in caring for our community. You cannot have Christian faith that doesn't have a care for the poor. Jesus doesn't give us the luxury of choosing half and neglecting the other. And I, could, I won't speak for Cirques, but I would say I find it very easy. I, I hate asking people for money, but I find it very easy to ask our church to give generously, to serve ministries that serve those that have very little. We saw it through our neighbours van, our whole Gateway Care ministry, right across Gateway, is a ministry that is designed and established to walk with people in their moments of need, to support and resource people at their lowest ebbs in life, to give resource to people that aren't doing life well. And you know what? Some of us are gonna walk through seasons where we're gonna need to be the ones that are recipients of other people's generosities. Because all of us walk through seasons where we can't do it on our own. But we as a church have gathered together and said, well, what can we do with the resources that God has given us to bless those in our community that are doing it tough. It's why we as a church have Gateway Care Ministries. Some of you actually have the power to give because Jesus has blessed you with incredible resource. And I wanna ask, will you use your power to bless others? I hope this is a challenge to every area of your life because whatever God's put in your pocket is actually something that he calls you to steward well for his glory. And there's many ways that you can use that. One of the ways over the next season is through our Gateway Beyond season and the generous gift that we invite our church to give to sustain and build the ministries of Gateway Care, Gateway Beyond, and also to see more churches planted and established so the message of Jesus can exist. Gateway City didn't exist five years ago, but there's a whole bunch of people in this room that are glad that it exists today. How will you use your power? See, Jesus turns on its head this idea of meekness in our understanding of power. He says this, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. See, the meek change the world by using their power selflessly, creatively, kindly, through self-sacrifice, through generosity, through selflessness. Theologian N.T. Wright says this, when God wants to sort out the world to put it to rights once and for all, he doesn't send in the tanks, 
as people often think he should. He sends in the meek. And by the time the high and mighty realise what's happening, the meek, because they're thinking about other people than themselves, have built hospitals, founded leper colonies, looked after the orphans and widows, and not least founded schools, colleges and universities to supply the world with wise leaders. If you want to influence the world, understand whatever Jesus has put in your hand and whatever power you carry, and then choose to surrender it to his idea of how power should be used. Self-giving, selfless, generous power that blesses and builds. I only get the band to come join me because I'm coming into land. But the promise to this blessing, this beatitude is really interesting. Blessed are the meek for they'll inherit the earth. This actually just really embeds Jesus' really revolutionary thought about meekness. If we understood the socio-political context of Jesus' day, we'd understand that land really mattered. You read the Old Testament, so much of the narrative of the Old Testament is the struggle for land. What's God's promise to Abraham and to the people of Israel? That he'll take them to a land that they can call their own. Land is a central theme throughout the Scriptures. But the way people got a hold of land was always through violence and coercion, through aggressive power. Land really mattered as Jesus preaches this message. People are aware of the Roman occupation of their land. Land really mattered. But Jesus says, how do you take possession of the land? Through meekness. Why? Because blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. If we want to take possession of all that God has for us in inheritance, we have to learn to live with our power under control because it's not violence and aggression. It's not the biggest military. It's not the strongest leaders. It's not the greatest empires that ultimately will inherit the earth, will inherit the land. It's the meek. The meek will inherit the earth. So here's my challenge to you, Gateway City Campus. Will you choose to take whatever power it is that you carry and surrender it to Jesus and learn to use it for the sake and the benefit of others, to serve others, to elevate others and to bless others because blessed are the meek, you'll inherit the very thing that others have tried to take through power, might and aggression. And as we land today, I... I think there's something for all of us to take away, but I just want to speak to one very specific group in this room, and it's those of us that sit here today and we carry some form of leadership. You'll know if that's you, and you don't have to be the top of the pile. You might sit in a place in you know, the world in which you're in where you have others that you know depend on your influence and your leadership. Being aware of the power that you hold and choosing to surrender it to Jesus is critical. Not all the popular narrative says that leaders need to be strong and aggressive and assertive and, and, and dominate the conversation. But what if there's a different way of mediating your power and learning that in leadership, the greatest strength that you have is the way that you serve others and bless others and elevate others. What if your leadership wasn't about how you can get yourself ahead, how you can get yourself noticed, how you can rise above the pile and climb the ladder to the highest seat that is possible for you. But what if the 
way that Jesus calls you to lead is through service and self-sacrifice and selflessness. It goes against some of the popular concepts of leadership. They'll go right back to when I was yelled at by that university lecturer that says, if you want to get ahead, learn to dominate the opposition. What if Jesus says, if you want to get ahead, learn to come in at the very bottom and serve anyone that I put in your sphere of influence. We need to look at leadership differently. You know, power has a strange effect on people. It can elevate our sense of self-importance. It can elevate our sense of self-reliance. In that moment where you think, well, look at me, look at what I've achieved, look at where I've got to in my own strength. I must be someone special. Or we can choose to take that power and surrender it to Jesus and allow Him to teach us His way of mediating power under control and serving those that God brings into our path. Hey, if you're a leader here this morning, I wanna ask if you're willing to let Jesus be your greatest leadership mentor. If you're willing for His words and His life and His example to be your way of being mentored in leadership. And you're gonna have to sit in His Word, you're gonna have to read His stories, you're gonna have to look at the way that He did things But I believe as we learn as leaders to surrender our power to Jesus and allow Him to teach us how to walk in the way of the servant King, we too can change the world. So here's what I wanna do before we sing together. And and you know what, there's there's a humility in some of us that doesn't wanna feel like we're, you know, placing ourselves in that position. But you know, leadership is a call and it's a position that God has given to you. And if so, if you're here this morning and you carry leadership in whatever sphere of life you're in, I wanna pray for you this morning. I'm gonna ask you to do something. So before you stand, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to put your hands out like this. Just symbolically of saying, okay, Jesus, I choose to actually come open-handed to you. And I choose to surrender to you that which you have given to me. And I pray that you'll teach me, you'll mentor me, you'll lead me in the way of the one who becoming aware of his nature and the equality of God and becoming aware of all the power that he held, chose to make himself nothing for the sake of others. Help me learn to lead like that. If that's you this morning and you're willing for me just to pray a blessing over you, a challenging prayer that God would actually take your heart and words seriously this morning. I just wanna ask you right now, would you stand wherever you are? Because I wanna pray with you. If you're a leader in this place, why don't you stand? Will you put your hands out? Will you receive? As a place of surrender, just saying to Jesus, Jesus, that's how I wanna lead. Help me learn to lead meekly, to take that power that I have that, in itself is an evil, but can become evil if we actually do it with the wrong heart and in the wrong motivation. And help me surrender that to you so it can be used for your glory. Jesus, I wanna thank you this morning for all those that are here that carry influence. The Lord, whether in their workplace or their community, in their church, in their family, carry roles of power and influence. Lord, that you put them in seats where they're called to lead. Jesus, you were the greatest model of leadership that we can find. You understood what it was to recognise the power that was put in your hand and then choose to use that power, the choice that comes with power, 
to serve and to bless and to elevate others. God, I wanna pray that we, as your children, we, as your followers, would learn to lead like that. Because we know that the meek are the ones that will inherit the earth. Not through coercion and not through domination, not through crushing others, not through belittling others, not through exerting our influence in ways that get ourselves ahead, not through devaluing those around us, not through acting out of suspicion or acting out of self-interest, but actually taking anything that you place in our hand and choosing to use it to serve, bless and elevate others. I pray, Jesus, that as each of these that has stood this morning brings their own circumstance to you, that you would honour this moment and that you would be their great mentor and teacher of the ways to lead with power that is under control. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, Gateway City. Let's all stand on our feet this morning. Team's gonna lead us in a song that I'm gonna hand over to Andrew. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know. 